Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. the Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. We had an uh, uneven start to this week, but at the end of the day, fam, this team is still winning games. They didn't win the big Board game. Of. They yeah. didn't win the big game. <laughs> the, one. the one that they really... that I think people... Like, who are a little hesitant to jump on. Yeah, that like was the Hart, one. If Hart comes out and has a 50-save shutout, like Murray did on the other end, um, yeah. even though he allowed two goals. Uh, <laughs> I Semantics. think people are all of a sudden juiced, but uh, this is where we are right now. It is still a work in progress, and when I ask, is this thing really going to happen, I think I know everyone's answer, <laughs> but we'll get to it anyway. Let's start out with intros, and let's lead off with the Athletics' own Charlie O'Connor. Sean Gutierrez is playing, in my opinion, the best hockey of his career. Yeah. And I am all here for it because it's pretty awesome. He got 21 points in his last 15 games. He's scored in five of his last six games. Yeah. It just kind of sucks that it's happening for this particular team. But, man, mm-hmm. he is on right now. Yeah, that's – um. remember last year when we were like, okay, as fun as this is, this probably isn't – all right, maybe he's a 60-point player, and that's totally fine. Well – He's no. <laughs> he's right back where he was. And he's yeah. doing it this time without Giroux. Yeah, now mm-hmm. it's now it's cuz last year there was a, I mean listen, I know Sean Couturier is a good hockey player. I've never thought otherwise. However, like I we all saw him play before and it was like you're never going to put up dynamic offensive numbers. Well, he's scoring like a first liner and he no longer has the guy who could have easily been the Hart Trophy winner last season uh playing next to him. He's playing better since they were split up. It's pretty it's, wild uh, what happens when you put good players with other good players. Oh, don't even Oh no, but Gostisbehere <laughs> is only good because other good players are with him. Has nothing oh. to do with his ability to make plays off Forgot. of them and set them up. But we'll get to Gostisbehere. Don't worry. Gostisbehere has been a big topic. But first, let's get to the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. So Charlie just reminded me of something. Remember in the early part of Sean Couturier's career, there was a subsect of Flyers fans who thought he was garbage and maybe we should trade him. Oh, I remember it very vividly because I argue with them every day for like six years straight. It's almost like that was wrong and maybe sometimes you have to let young players work through down years and then they improve. I think it is it is fair to say, and we'll get into this more, really, it's, it's fair to say that Ghost isn't really young anymore. Well, like He's 25 going on 26, but to me it's not the youth factor, it's just the fact that he's good. He's having 20- a bad year, but he's a good player. He'll be 26 on 420, I believe. Oh, yeah, he's a 420 baby. I yeah, forgot he's, about he's that. my favorite player. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I, I'm really actually kind of proud, and maybe the fact that we had a game the next day, we were all able to move on from it, mm-hmm. but I'm glad we didn't do, like, a, we need to replay the game kind of thing, like the Saints, like, try to sue oh, the God. league or something, over the disallowed goal, and I don't want to sit here and make a bigger deal of it than it is, but, uh, it is a question of, you know, in sports, we're constantly trying to see, okay, with modern technology, with all these advantages we have, with replay, how do we fix things? 
Bad calls happen, whatever. That one wouldn't have been enough anyway. I'm not going to sit here and whine and complain about that one individual call. But I do have a question. How do we fix that play? Because, you know, premature whistles do happen, and it's funny that it happened again with the Penguins. As, oh, boy. Was it game six against Nashville in the Stanley Cup final when they just blew the play dead when Nashville yep. scored? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. Like, the people who are like, it's fixed for the Pens. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. they do just have a bunch of really good players. They don't need to fix it for them, but it, you know. Conspir- it feels like Conspiracy it. theorists yeah. have their ammo. <laughs> but I want to know, how do we actually fix that play? Because being able to overturn a blown whistle can be a slippery slope. I can hear Tom Wilson's defense now. I kept playing after the whistle because what if the play was going to be actually called still alive after the fact? I had to elbow him in the head. Like I, what? Yeah. It, like I, I can hear the defenses now. Uh, so like. You know how many tryhards are in this league? Like people, if oh no, we can just keep play going after yeah. the whistle. Playing in between the whistles already extends. What fixes that call? Like whistle blows the play dead. That's a quintessential rule in sports that are dictated by whistles. It's the number one rule. NFL has that clear recovery thing. Like yes, the play is dead, but. If we see it continue because guys continue to play and someone picks up a fumble and clearly has it, unless it's the Eagles against the Cowboys, then it's like, <laughs> nah, fuck it. The Cowboys keep the ball. Uh, unless it's clear, they, they blow it dead. But you can go. Like in the NBA, I tried to think of rules that are similar. Like You get fouled and there's a whistle. But if you're in the act and there's a continuation, it counts. It's not – hockey's a little different, but I'm just trying to think of similar rules. But does anybody have – an actual idea of how to fix this other than, bro, you just can't, maybe don't have such a quick whistle. Is that it? It's just the human error part. You need to be better. Yeah, I wrote a, a large word salad in our outline here that got me nowhere. And um, listening to you now, because I am i don't do other sports as much as you guys do, and understanding that the NFL kind of lets it continue in that one circumstance. Yeah, if it's in the motion of happening yeah. when the whistle blows. And in this case, that goal going in was in the process of it's happening. such a bang-bang play. There's no, oh, yeah, we we looked away because we heard the whistle and then they, like, no, no man, it was playing. it was going in. So, I yeah. mean, it's, it's so hard with hockey because it's so fast. It's yeah. faster than anything else. And you have to give these guys a little bit of leeway because they're watching with their human eyeballs something that's going super fast from three feet away. We have the benefit of watching it on television from a distance. We can see everything that's happening. They don't have that benefit. But at the same time, I forget who it was. It might have been Jonesy that said, like, you just have to wait one second. Yeah. If you wait one second, you'll see that that puck is not covered. If you wait a second and it is covered, it's still covered. And then if like, it just is, wait. you always have the benefit of the intent to blow rule, which yeah. is hilarious. You could just make it's, that shit up you, as yeah, whatever you, you want. Just make it up. I'll never understand. Like, okay, but if it's a close play, like your whistle should already be in yeah. your mouth. But whatever. We're not talking about that right. right now. But you can lean on the intent to blow play if something weird happens after the fact. You can just go, oh, no, I meant to blow it dead. Uh, whatever. Like, you can always go back to that. So that's that's the only solution to me is ref just hold. Yeah, hold, hold one one second. second because that one it wasn't even close no. to covered. Like there was nothing about that puck that was stopping. It, he never even had close to control. Not even close. So if he had just waited a split second, he would have seen it was free. 
then we got a goal. Chuck. And to be fair, that to be goal, fair. I don't think that that was the reason they lost the game. No, it wasn't. But one, and it wouldn't have been enough. Like, no, yeah. But Murray anyway. was playing out of his mind. But yeah, yeah. Charlie. Hello. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, so my my kind of view of this is basically that I, I go back to a, a kind of a joke tweet that, that Michael Blake McCurdy did um, a few years ago, and it was it was, was it half jo- half joking, half serious. No, that that's that's uh, it's Manny. Oh, uh, Micah basically was, said something to the extent of a team could. The team could pay me a million dollars just to sit there and say, don't, <laughs> don't, do, do, don't do that stupid thing you're about to do once a year, and I would be worth a million dollars that That's you're paying That's one me. of my favorite tweets. And it's a joke, but like it just kind of brings up that idea of like having just someone, like an eye in the sky who's just basing decisions off common sense that has veto power over everyone else who's just too in the thing to fully understand like, hey, that's a bad call. Don't make that call. Like we see it with, uh, with empty net goals. If, if a guy is, is going towards an empty net and the guy pulls him down, like, yeah, the guy with the puck could theoretically miss the net. Hi, Sean Couturier. But you know what? <laughs> if you get pulled down and you got a clear shot at an empty net, they're like, that's a goal. So to me, this is just a case of someone not on the ice, because you're never going to take, you're never going to remove a human error, an official blowing whistle too early. You can try to, you can try to hold officials to standards and whatnot. That shit's going to happen. But what you have to have is someone up there, not on the ice, who looks at the play and is like, you know what, that puck was going in regardless, even even with the whistle blown, even if one player made a given like a little bit less effort because he heard the whistle, it landed right in front of Nolan Patrick. He was going to put the puck in the net. It's a goal. Everyone knows it's a goal. Just call it a goal. It like it's kind of what the NFL did with the catch rule. Like they what they've done with the catch rule is basically just added an element of comments that's like, yes. yeah, if the ball hits the ground a little bit and moves a little bit, but if everyone watching it knows it was a catch, like just call it a freaking. They catch. changed the rule on the fly in the Super Bowl yeah. for the Eagles, <laughs> and no one was mad about it. Other than well, the Patriots, Patriots fans. fans. Well, they're not they're not actual people, yeah, so who cares about that? But seriously, like there has to be an element of common sense. I don't think it can happen. I don't think the, the common sense can come from the officials because they're just too close to the action yeah. and they have to follow the rules to a T. But there has to be someone well, a, someone above them yeah. who's just like, hey guys, that was dumb. Let's get this right. That to, to me follow, is what has to happen. They have to follow the rules unless they see a player bleeding and then they can just guess what happened. Well, but, but that's another example. Like, yeah, they screwed that up. But that was another example where if you have that common sense eye in the sky, they go to them like, Guys, he didn't actually get no, hit. Like, just take him out of the box. That to me, that to me is straight. It's worse. It's worse than the no goal call. Because yeah, it's a goal, and goals are important. Like, you need them to win. But it's quick whistles happen. He thought he had it. I think he honestly lost the puck against the black pants. I yeah. think all black goalie black. black <laughs> I think all black goalie equipment should be banned. White pads it only. Happens. Yeah, white mm-hmm. pads only. Um, but uh, like. At least that just happens. Quick whistle. I thought he had it. They had no intention of calling a penalty last night. And that was the worst that. part. No, it happened, and yeah. I thought it was a high stick because I, you know, it's the angle. It's on. It's yeah. The, yeah. Like sure. you're watching on TV, you see the guy's head go back, and then he's holding his face. You just think it's a high stick. The referees didn't. No arm went up. Nothing happened. The Flyers have the puck for a second or two. Yeah, they weren't going to call a penalty until they see until him gushing blood. They see him bleeding, and then they guessed. It's a that's yep. worse to me than blowing a call is making something up entirely and going. 
bleeding with the most extreme outcome. Well, once you make the call, you have no, to. No, he's bleeding. Yeah, yeah I, if, I get if, it. if you've decided it's a high stick, you have no choice but to give him the four minutes. But then just call like a rough. Say, like, I don't know, they make shit up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Say it was rough and he punched him, actually. But again, funny to this me. is what I'm getting at. Like, I, under- yeah, I, know, I, I understand know. why they would look at that and say, he's bleeding, we missed the call, we gotta fix this. And then later you find out, oh my god, we really screwed that up. But that's why, like, someone has to say from upstairs, like, guys, we, like, it's not like once you make the call, we can't say, no, it's totally yeah. wrong. Like, no one's gonna be mad that you called a penalty, and then you looked at it, and you're like, man, we really screwed that up. We can't have that stick. Like, everybody's gonna be like, yeah, that makes sense, because it's the right call, so it's, make yeah, the right call. And, like, get, not to mention, like, not to bring it all back to the offside rule, which is the worst rule in all sports, <laughs> but we can overturn shit because of a skate that may or may not be off the yeah, ice. Like, really up in the call. air. Oh, you know what? That paint job isn't all that great, and there's a little bleeding or like it's uh, 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 i hear you this goddamn league man it's stupid in so many ways let's get to the actual flyers now uh i just wanted to because i have called out the character of this team on multiple occasions uh, i put it in my post game and in charlie's 10 things you said we almost had like the exact same lead um i stole it from him obviously i'm a plagiarist (laughs) Uh, a lot of character last night like earlier in the the season that's a six to two loss yeah, I, I, there's. I don't think that Dave Haxall is the worst thing ever. I don't like him as a coach. I'm glad he's gone, and I don't think Scott Gordon is the next coming of Mike Babcock. But there is a. That's the only difference, other than goaltending, that we've seen. And this team showed some character last night in a spot where. They folded up at times this year. So I just yeah, wanted to there point was, that out. There was no coming back early that, in the season. And they killed a four-minute phantom penalty. Like, that would have crushed them. Like, oh, yeah, now we have to kill a four-minute penalty. Yeah, this is going to be fine. Why even try? Yeah. And and I know it always goes back to coaching with people because everybody hated Dave Haxtell. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. people j- tend to like Scott Gordon primarily because the team is winning. Because he's not Dave Hacks. Yeah, he's just not Dave Hacks. That, that that is the main. And also reason. the bean pot trot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's a likable guy. <laughs> yeah, I like I like Scott Gordon. He actually Gordon. answers questions. He's yeah. a, he's a likable guy. And he's funny. Yeah. yeah, and the team's winning. Right. But to go back to your point about the team would have fallen apart, I will pose this, and I feel like this is kind of what I've been banging the table for for the last few months. They're down three one, and Anthony Stollars makes an amazing save yeah. on Jordan Greenway. In October, November, and December, that's a goal. And then they're down 4-1, and the game's over. Mm -hmm. It's over. And that's the biggest difference with this team now versus this team three months ago is that they're getting saves. And the entire narrative of a game changes when you're actually getting some saves, and they're finally getting them. So, yeah, the team still has to actually turn that 3-1 deficit into a lead eventually, and they deserve credit for that. But it's a lot harder to do that when 3-1 becomes 4-1 becomes 5-1, and then it's like, oh shit, it's over. I have two points. First of all, did Jordan Greenway come off the ice last night? I don't. I didn't look at his TOI, but I swear to God, that dude played eighty. He minutes. was getting named a lot. Yeah, yeah. Every day he touched. He got named on every shift. It was. He's the opposite of Dale Weiss. <laughs> Dale Weiss could play three games in a row, play every minute, and you'd never hear his name. Oh, Dale Jordan yeah. Greenway had the puck the whole goddamn game. Two, it's become a running joke now. I don't know if either of you listened to the new Puck Soup, no. uh, but it's become a joke. 
joke on their show that Carter Hart is actually going to ruin getting Joel Quenville because <laughs> he's going to play above this team's ability and everyone's just going to go, oh, it's Gordon. We got to give him a four-year contract oh, and we're going to miss out on the good coach. And then, of course, two years into a four-year contract, we will fire Scott. <laughs> <laughs> it has become the running joke. And that's like my number one concern with this team right now is that I'm gi- I've given up on the draft thing. The draft is the draft. Whatever yeah, happens, yeah. happens. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get rewarded with karma again, like we did with Nolan Patrick. Yeah, uh, and it won't take two and a half years to get him going. But <laughs> that's a joke. I like Nolan Patrick. <laughs> He's playing pretty well. Yeah, he yeah. is. He really is. Um, I forget where I'm going with this. Oh no, uh, my my major fear is I really hope Chuck Fletcher keeps his eyes on the big picture like that's i don't care i don't want to add anything unless it, like if we go yeah. get mark stone and if it and it doesn't come with an extension in hand or at least like a handshake agreement like yeah i'm staying don't worry then it's a bad trade I, it, this team isn't winning anything yeah and i, I want to believe in them i really do like we've because we've never seen them with carter hart we've never seen them with this travis sanheim however i will say uh Botetto last night on that Sanheim assist. Oh, yeah. He made Andrew McDonald look like Scott Stevens. <laughs> he, it, it, he didn't just back up. He gave more room. He was like, oh, no, you're, oh, no, you want the inside, too. He didn't just <laughs> back in. He backed in and backed, like, to his right. It was terrible. But Sanheim, like, a big, you know, some guys coming around, like Nolan Patrick, Oscar Lindblom p- playing well. So I do think this is a little bit different, but I do hope. Uh, Chucky two trades. Chucky ch- Chucky three trades now. Yeah. Keeps his eye Are we just going to keep adding to this? Yes. Yeah. I Soon he'll be Chucky like, Chucky 20 14 trades. <laughs> he just has to get the Chucky 69 trades. Um, yeah, yeah. Any day now. If he if he gets the 69 trades, the Flyers have done quite well <laughs> under his tenure. <laughs> I mean, I don't get the impression that Chucky two trades thinks that this team is a a it contender and he needs to like, buy. No, I don't think like so. No, no, I know. No, I, to, to me, the and I, there's been rumors like, well, the Flyers might be a buyer and a seller, but I think it's important to it's important to distinguish between buying for this year and yeah. buying for the future, yeah. as you said with Stone. Like he can go out and buy someone, but it has to be someone with term left yeah. or or a young player or a, or a pending UFA. He's confident he will be able to sign. Like that's buying. I don't. Think there's any way he's he's going for a rental? No chance Mm-mm. in hell. Yeah, and they have rentals of their own to move. Yeah, yeah. like to me the. the to me, the most I could potentially see him doing is basically telling people, like telling other teams, look, we're willing to trade Wayne Simmons, but here's our price. Mm-hmm. And if you don't hit our price, we'll just keep him. Like that that to me would be the, the probably the biggest mistake he could make. But it's it, it's not even that crushing of a mistake because as we talked about on the show, like they have a lot of assets. It would be great to get more assets for Wayne Simmons, but if they don't trade Wayne Simmons, like I'm not gonna be devastated. Because they don't really have to. It's more just an accumulation of assets. And if they want to give this one more go, a long shot opportunity to the playoffs, and they feel like the players have earned the right to keep Wayne Simmons until the end of the year and maybe lose him for nothing, fine. I can live with that. But that, to me, is the worst-case scenario for Fletcher at the deadline. I don't think he's going to go crazy by any means and see this as, you know, oh, my God, we can actually make the playoffs. He's not stupid. And that's what I wanted to go next is uh, in the last 14 games, they are 11-2-1. They have 23 of the last 28 points. 
Uh, now they have back-to-backs with Detroit, who stinks. Uh, then home versus Tampa. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, they've played Tampa tight this year. If they, they always get, lose, though. If they yeah. get a couple of saves in those games, they win them. Fair. I'm telling you. Fair. If they're closer to Tampa, then, uh, yeah, they're probably going to lose that. <laughs> <laughs> At Montreal, they beat Montreal. Uh, and then they have the stadium series against Pittsburgh that they desperately need to win. I need a win against Seriously. Pittsburgh, man. For I God's know you sake. did it earlier in this season, but like this is now like the Sixers Celtics. You need to do it for you. I and just an wa- outdoor game. Yeah, I just want them to win an outdoor yeah, game. Yeah, win an outdoor game. Like I was having a conversation with a family member yesterday, and she was basically like, "Well, do you think they just don't like playing outdoors? Like they're not used to it?" I'm like, "Well, the other team." Plus played yeah. outdoors I refuse. too. <laughs> I am going through like every avenue I have to weasel my way into this game because I refuse to pay for tickets for no. another one. They're 0-3. I'm not doing it. I'm going to wear my orange tux. I'm going to tailgate. I'm going to go to brunch with my friends like we always do for these things. But you know what I'm not doing? Laying down hundreds of dollars <laughs> to watch them lose because it's in a goddamn football stadium. I hate that building to begin with, yeah. but I am going. I'm just going through different avenues. Uh, but... <laughs> Like I said, 23 of the last 28 points, they're still, if they lose to the, if the Penguins beat the Oilers tonight, and let's face it, they should, uh, they're going to be eight back of the second wild card. How do, like, what what do we think, what do, what are the chances they pull this bullshit off? No. no. I mean, it was fun to think that they could, but I feel like as much as we cared about that Pittsburgh game because it was Pittsburgh. That really was a must win as far as really trying to make the playoffs because Pittsburgh's the team they have to catch. No, it's a four-point game. Yes, and and they didn't yeah. in a big way. So that, in my mind, I think, shut the door on any kind of hope as slim as it was before. It Yeah, it did a lot for you. you know, it's, it's funny for me, the, the team that I always have my eye on is like, if they make the playoffs, maybe they could jump them has always been Columbus, yeah. just because of the possibility of them up and trading their two best players and thinking, well, man, they could really spiral out of control if that happens. But they just keep freaking winning. That's the- so so now, it's, and like, I just, I can't envision a scenario where the Penguins aren't in the playoffs. Yeah, no, that's, I, I how does that, you know. That doesn't compute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Columbus, like, it looked like the spiral was starting. Yeah, it did. It like, did. they had to pull Bob off of a plane. They yeah. lose five in a row. It looks like, oh, shit, the worst-case scenario for this team who is keeping its own pending UFAs who've already told them they're leaving <laughs> as their own rentals. Like, okay, that's good, but now you've lost five in a row. What happens now? But they've steadied that ship. And that was the thing. I was I was never looking at Pittsburgh. I was. I, it was always, to me, about one of those teams falling out and that team was Columbus which leads me to my next question then Uh, this is fun and I'm having a good time and I'm not necessarily advocating for it but if Carter Hart is the difference in the sixth pick and the 15th pick should Carter Hart go play for the Phantoms no I think Carter Hart's development is more important than the number six overall pick I agree with that all right I, I yeah, it's just I understand the logic behind yes. it. Like I get it, and if there's not going to do it. What's the point of just screwing it up? And there's a degree of justification if you decide. Well, we honestly we need we need more. 
it's more important to get more information in, to in, to a, to a degree on Stolarz than it is for Hart. Like yeah. I think we're all pretty convinced that Hart is an NHL caliber goalie who we can project will be at least pretty good next year. Whereas with Stolarz, we still really don't know what he is, and we don't know if he should be the the guy with Hart or if maybe they should try to trade him for a veteran or what. Like he's going to be interestingly enough, it looks like he's going to be a UFA at the end of the year, and that's why this actually makes some sense because I think he has to play like 16 games the rest of the way for the Flyers to keep his RFA status, and obviously. He's not going to do that if Carter Hart's here. If you sent down Carter Hart, you probably could play him in the 60 game, 16 games and keep his rights. So that's an interesting little subplot. But I still think you want to ride with Hart just because you want him to get... you. Like It's like what we said about... And I, I definitely go back to that Stolarzing because it's an interesting thing to talk about. But um, the thing with Hart is that like we talked about last year about how you know, man, I wish they would have just let Travis Sanheim work through his issues last year rather than working through his issues in the first half of this year. Yeah. And I kind of want Hart to do that too. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah, that, no. that to yep. me is important because next year I want the team to be competitive and I don't want Hart to be, you know, oh, I'm still trying to figure stuff out. Like, let him yeah. figure it out now. If the numbers go down a little bit, that's fine. I think let the, him figure it out now. He has auto pay set up, though. We can all stop worrying about if he's going to make his cable bill or not. <laughs> like, I know that was a major concern. Well, he's now he's living with Jake Voracek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I think he Which, might have, like, he might have actually moved in today because they're off today. Doesn't that seem like a weird one? Like Jake Voracek, like Danny Briere seemed like a team dad. Jake Voracek does not strike me as team dad guy. Because, like, Danny had a couple of kids. Yeah. Like, Couturier was closer to his kid's age right. than he was Briere's age, and the whole thing was just hilarious. That was funny. Uh, Jake is still, I don't know. Jake, to me, is still, like, not team dad. No. <laughs> no. He seems like party guy still. Yeah. No one know. with that beard is chill at home. He, J- he, Hart <laughs> needs Jake to buy him beer. That's yeah. the thing. <laughs> He's like, I, I can't get goddamn beer here. This is ridiculous. You know, I, the only reason why I... The, here's the thing. I don't think that it Jake's going to be a bad influence on Hart for this reason. I, no, I, I'm serious. Like, like going... Paul Holmgren is back to kind of having some juice in the organization again, and I go back to the story about Giroux, when Giroux was like, yeah, I'm, I, if if I make the team, I'm gonna go live in Old City with like all the guys that are down there. And Holm, oh no, you're fucking and, not! And Holmgren <laughs> flat out told him, he's like, okay, well you got two options: you can be with the team and live in New Jersey, or you could say you're gonna live in Old City and you're going back to the, going back to the Myers. He was like, you're not living with them. Like if you if you're in the NHL, you're not allowed to live with them. And the fact that Holmgren's got juice again, I don't think he would let <laughs> Carter Hart live with someone who he worried was going to be a bad influence oh, on Carter fair. Hart. That crew was just the best. <laughs> they oh my God. lived like, their lives. They certainly did. <laughs> I, that's, I'll never fault any of them. No. Because if you gave me the kind of money you gave Mike Richards at that age, yep. I'd be fucking dead. <laughs> I, I, wouldn't fair be, point. I wouldn't be getting pulled over at the border with a few prescription pills. I'd be fucking dead. <laughs> so, you know, that's just oh the boy. way it is. Uh, so we don't think they're actually making the playoffs. Nah. No. Um, but yeah, this, the Stolars thing is interesting. I know you were about yeah, to say that. That's it's something I hadn't seen because I know like in the back of my mind that rule because we've talked about it with, with Jordan Wheel. With Jordan Wheel, that's what it yeah. was. Yeah, we've talked about it before, but I hadn't seen it brought up before yesterday and I forgot to mention it in my post game because we keep talking about the goalie situation for next year and how it's completely unsorted with Hart is here. We know that. That's the only thing we know at this level. Stoli, UFA, RFA, whatever he is, you're going to have to give him something to keep him. Alex Lyons making NHL money next year, no matter what. I just yeah. I don't think he's even in the picture no. anymore he's with not. this with this organization. I don't think so. But he's under contract. He's so under contract. I have to account for it right now. 
Sandstrom expected to come over. He's under contract. They want Ustamenko to come over. All right, well, that's five goalies. We're not going to do this again, right? Yeah, we have too many goalies. <laughs> and there's already, no, we need a veteran. And No, we don't. Carter Hart is a veteran. He's a 20-year-old veteran. I, I have He's a veteran of his own war. I've heard from people who I I trust know what they're talking about, that they wouldn't have necessarily have a problem with putting Ustamenko in the ECHL. Okay. That they oh, might do okay. what... They might start doing what Toronto has been doing, which yeah. is actually using the ECHL team as development. That's you've always heard that that is an option. If you want, if you have two goalies, you're trying to develop, and you want them both to get starters workloads. You put one in the ECHL just so he can continue to work on his game. Yeah. So it's I'm all for that. That's fine with me. I'm just the Stolarz thing is going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting, especially mm-hmm. if he's a UFA. So just to clarify this rule, basically the rule is yeah, is yeah, that yeah. if you don't play a certain amount of games before I believe you hit the age of 25, a certain amount of NHL games, you get your unrestricted free agency early. The team doesn't keep control of you until I think it's seven league years or uh, until they're 27. And Stolarz, I believe, would have to play something like 15 or 16 games the rest of the year. And I, I always wonder with goalies, is it appearances or is it dressing for games? And I believe it's appearances. He has to actually play in the game. And he's probably not going to play in 15 or 16 games the rest of the way as long as Carter Hart's here. So under this current situation, he will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. And that raises some questions because I think he's played well enough to factor into someone's picture. But for him to re-sign with the Flyers, the Flyers would have to basically guarantee he's going to be the second starter or the second guy on the depth chart. And are they willing to do that? I don't know. We'll see. Not with those knees. Sorry, buddy. It's tough. Um, Let somebody else take that risk. I'd hate to be in the position of, oh, yeah, we got to go get Cal Pickard or Mike McKenna. I don't. They seem like fine gentlemen. Uh, I don't want to be scrambling again. Having all these goalies under contract and be scrambling again. Uh, I like Stoley. I think he could be a really good backup. Uh, I don't know if I'm willing to take that risk now that. I know he could be a UFA. That changes things in my mind. It does. I'd also hate to freaking lose him for goddamn nothing. That would suck. Like um, all this time developing him, he's finally here. He's finally playing well. And see ya. Yeah. I get it. That happens sometimes. And what's he really going to be? It's probably not going to come back and bite you in the ass. I don't think he's winning a Vezina trophy anytime soon. It's not going to be Bob Robsky <laughs> or something. But it's annoying. It's yeah. just annoying. Agreed. Uh, since I don't think we're going to be doing ice sport this week, and it actually happened to the Flyers. Uh, real fast, the Malkin Raffle incident. Ugh. Gino suspended one game. Wow. He got a match. Really nailed him. He got a match penalty. The he, minimum possible games. <laughs> he got a match penalty, so he gets kicked out. He The Flyers get a five-minute major power play in a game they were trying to fight their way back into. Yeah. And then he's suspended for one more. Is that tonight? Is he suspended tonight for the Oilers game? They that would make imagine, sense, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so yeah. Oh, maybe that helps us. Maybe I'm, that helps us a I'm little. just happy he finally got uh, He finally yes. got yeah. one. Th- yes. th- this is something, like, it- it's it's funny because people were, like, of course it's Pittsburgh fans, but like yeah. they were calling me out after I, call- after I called out Malkin oh, for the play. Oh, you had that one guy. Yeah, oh my he, God. He, was, he was adding Myrtle, who's, Myrtle. like, sort of my boss, and is like, how <laughs> dare you have a homer as your, it's like, Chris, you're a Pittsburgh fan. Every single co- writer that covers the Penguins you is the biggest homer biggest in the goddamn homer. world. Mark! Madden! <laughs> yeah. But regardless... Who is my this, hero? I, I guess there's no way to separate the Flyers fandom out of my opinions of Malkin, but this is something I've been banging the table on for years, is that 
Evgeny Malkin is dirty, yeah. and they continue to let him get away with borderline plays literally for 10-plus years. Because he's good. Because he's good, and because basically he never quite passed the line. There's o- always Obviously, the... there's always like a little ah! caveat, and that gave them yeah. the excuse not to suspend him. And then they were never accounting for the fact that he was like— to me, it's that if you hit the borderline 15 times, that yep. probably like, that probably should be taken into account because that means you're put your your habitual line stepper, as, <laughs> as as Charlie Murphy would say, and that probably should be taken into account for uh, with their, damn I love the Chappelle show with regards to uh, with regards to punishment. But the rules of the NHL are you can only account for actually yep. actual discipline when you're looking at punishment in terms of the length. So I'm glad now that he's finally got a punishment on his record. Yeah, actual next time he the next does time. elbow someone yes. in the head, you can say. Hey, he's got you've a history done this before. Yep. Yes, exactly. Uh, the the actual incident itself, I I don't blame Raffle, but no. I will say that when you punch someone in the back of the head who's holding a weapon, you should expect retaliation. You should not. There's no situation. There's a million ways he could have fucked Raffle up. I'm not saying it was appropriate. I know, but I'm just saying like you sh- there's no one should be thinking in their head, hmm, perhaps I should not rough this player because he will take a baseball swing at my head <laughs> with his stick. That shouldn't be a thought that enters anyone's mind because no one should think that it's okay to try no, to decapitate it, it's someone. it's absolutely not okay to swing your stick ever. Yeah. I am saying, however, Michael Raffle got the desired response. Well, yeah. Michael Raffle got what he wanted. Yeah. Michael but- Raffle got the best possible outcome of that play. He did not get called for anything. Their second best player gets kicked out of the game. And he didn't get and hurt. F- he didn't get hurt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he very well could have been. Very luckily, like, yeah. yeah. Didn't, yeah, didn't get hurt. And the Flyers get a five-minute power play. Michael Raffle got what Michael Raffle wanted and, out of that. And what he did happens 47 times a game. Yeah. That that it's not that okay, that but yes, to me yeah that At to me max, is the big. It thing. was a two minute roughing penalty. Yeah, like it's it's a penalty, and if you want to have a conversation about how we need to get those sort of plays out of the game, that's, that we that we, we need to we need yeah. to get you know yeah. you know he, random headshots. We need to get the whole idea that stars can get beaten up a little bit more than other players. If we want to talk about that, how would I, I ever defend him if I can't cheat? Like <laughs> I am totally open to having that conversation. That. But the fact of the matter is, is that in this NHL, those plays happen, yeah. and the refs look the other way. And as long as you're going to let those plays happen, the fact of the matter is is that 99.9% of the time, a player doesn't think, hey, you know what's a good idea in response to this? To try to decapitate the dude but, doing because it. Because here's the thing, like, if he, the only reason that we're having, like, a casual conversation about this is that Raffle just happened to be yeah. an inch further away from him than the length of his stick and didn't get hit in the head. If he got hit in the head, we're talking, like, Marty McSorley, Jesse Bollery shit that is, like, the worst possible thing that Bullery's. anyone's ever done. Jesus, Bollery's. Yeah. Like, it's we just lucky that he didn't hit him in the <laughs> That's head. That's the other thing is that, like, I'm a Radko Gudis fan. I, I don't necessarily I still don't think, think that Radko Gudis was trying to take anyone's head I off. I don't think it was as... Uh, there's an excuse for it, but at a certain point, I do have to look at who did it. I mean, he shouldn't have done it, but I don't think <laughs> I it do, was... Like, I do. Like, I made all sorts of yeah. excuses for it at the time, and if someone wants to bring up the post-game from whenever that was last year when he hit the dude in the head with his stick, I did make excuses for it. Um, 
listen, you can't do that. I no. think it was less purposeful, than, yes. but I do think there was some intent. I don't know. Well, you know what, you know what, what, you know what it boils down to? It boils down to the fact that for somebody like Rakugutis, he's he's crossed the line so many times that he's forfeited the benefit of the yeah. doubt. Mm-hmm. And I guess my problem with Malkin is that I believe he's crossed the line enough times that he's also forfeited the benefit of the doubt, but for years the NHL has just kind of stuck their head in the sand yep. and acted like he hasn't forfeited the benefit of the doubt, and that's why I'm glad they finally are like, yeah, okay, that was dirty. Yeah. And that's like... I, I, they're not going to call that thing on Raffle. They're just not. No. And especially, they never do. Especially in a Flyers-Penguins game where they let things oftentimes escalate. I go back to that playoff series all the time. I think Braden Shen lays a borderline hit on somebody, and next thing you know, Aaron Asham is cross-checking him in the face. You let enough go, things are going to escalate. Mm-hmm. And that, like... If we want to have that conversation, it's separate. You cannot swing your stick. I just you, you can't do I, that. Yeah, I under just, any circumstances. I don't know. I wouldn't swing my stick at a guy, but I'd fuck him up if he punched me in the back of the head. Well, that's fine. He could have. Fu- that's what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying. He could have fucked him up in a million ways. He went for the worst possible yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. No, and that's but it's why you do it to a guy like Malkin. It's that's why they play well, yeah. Malkin that way. They play him like this always. They pester the shit out of him because he Crosby can't doesn't himself. do it. So that's not how they defend Crosby. They do it to Malkin non-stop because they know they can get him to take dumb penalties. Or at least Crosby is now smart enough that when he does get back at you, he makes sure nobody sees him. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, got the, he's got the Briere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are guys who are really good at doing it behind the play. Yeah, and yeah sure. And that's fine. Yeah, If that's you're hockey. one of those guys who gets hacked, like Johnny Hockey should butt-end everybody every game. <laughs> he just should. He gets slashed 46 times yeah. a shift. All right, let's move on because this was the— oh, boy. Uh, the crux of the last 24-plus hours Ooh, or boy. so. Oh, boy. It's been a party. Um, the Shane Gostisbehere conversation. He has been not great this year. My question nope. to you right now. My question to both of you. Okay. What is Shane Gostisbehere? In terms of as a player? as a uh, He's a mammal and a human being. <laughs> That's uh, true. He's I, I, would, I would think so. He's a near 26-year-old uh, human man. Uh, <laughs> what is he as a player? What is his role? What is his ceiling? And what is wrong right now? And how do you expect him to bounce back? Everything. Just the full ghost scope. So my, my view of his ideal role on an NHL team is... Better player on the second pair and top unit power play guy. Like, I think he can, I think when he's at his best, he can be a first pair, even strength defenseman. But if I'm constructing a team, I don't necessarily want to depend on that. But I love him as like my number three at five on five. And then obviously he's on my top unit when he's firing all centers. Now, what's happening to him now? I know there's a lot of there's a lot of theorizing that he's injured. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe like who the hell knows? That's but, just what but, we think when we see this. Now. But to, yeah. to me, it's just like I just see a player who's lacking confidence, who's yeah. who's in his own head, and maybe that's compounded by the fact that he's playing through some type of nagging issue. But I just see a guy who's who's completely lacking confidence right now. I mean, I think it's primarily that because we've said before that he's very clearly a guy that once he starts to struggle a little bit, gets way inside yeah. his own head and yeah. can't get out of it. So I think it's primarily that. But the reason that I think he's fighting something is because he looks slow. Like him being slower doesn't make any sense to me. That's That feels like an injury. Straight line speed has always... Ghost has got incredible quickness. Yes. And he's yeah. so dynamic side to side. He can do a lot of things. He's always underwhelmed me with his straight line Agreed. speed. Agreed. I just, um, especially off the puck. Like with the puck, he's just a good puck handler. Yeah. And he's shifty enough. He looks slower. Yeah, he, he definitely does look but slow. But that could be confidence. Like, well, yeah. You, you, 
his strength, as Bill said, is his quickness, his first few steps. And if he doesn't have the confidence to make plays, then he's not showing that because he's not being... It's kind of like with Patrick. like He's not yeah. being decisive because he's, he doesn't think it's going to work, so he doesn't try Like it. that turnover in the slot last night. Shane Gossespierre is not a get-the-puck-out-as-fast-as-possible player. Yeah. He needs yeah. to gather that, get his head up, and make a move to the outside. Yeah. And he did what... Uh, like uh, bums, we traded away. Do yeah, and uh, he did some I, Andrew like, it was just shit, yeah, yeah. He did some Andrew McDonald, some Nick Grossman, mm-hmm. whatever name you want to put on yeah. it. Guys who can't handle the puck like he does. He's an excellent puck handler, and he just hasn't been. Um, do you think there? I don't know if you put this sarcastically or not, Kelly. So I'm just going to ask. Time for Ghost to have a seat upstairs. IMO. How I do you, how I do you feel think, about that. So here's the thing. So we. We got on Dave Haxtell a lot for those little breaks that he gave guys. But I think it might have been you that argued that they always seemed to work somehow. A lot of times they did. Yeah. So maybe there is something to when a guy like Ghost is clearly thinking too much and can't get out of his own head. Maybe you say, listen, dude, take a little break, go upstairs, have some free M&Ms, watch the game, see what's going on, come back in a couple of games. This isn't a punishment. Come back in a couple of games and we'll see how you do. I Yeah. He's playing so poorly and he's at this point, like last night, making mistakes that are going to cost the team points, which doesn't really matter at this point. But I'm just saying like he's playing so poorly. They think they're in it, so it does. Yeah. Do, like, they, do they though? I mean, I know they, I know the players do, but do the guys that's upstairs? What I mean. The guys no, upstairs that's what I know. mean. The players think they're sure. in it. Sure. Yeah. Just. It I don't think like LA thinks they're in it. It won't like, hurt him to I have a seat. I think the Flyers players do. I don't think you just like healthy scratch him without an explanation. I think you have a talk no, with him. No, you can't do the Dave Haxtell. No. Oh man, I'm out of the lineup. No, you got to have a talk with him and explain yeah. to him what's going on and why you're doing this. And I think that it can't hurt. So yeah. at this point, I would just see what happens. Yeah, I I think the key to this, the difference between a possible brief scratching of Ghost this time as compared to the Dave Haxtell version of it, it's it's there's two things. Number one. You would have you would want to frame it differently. It's all it's all about the framing. You know, the last time it happened with Ghost, it was it was framed in a way where it made it very clear that like they were pissed at Ghost. Yeah, and it was a they month were, into the season. That, yeah, that they were frustrated with Ghost, and this was the only way they could get through to him. It was it was it was presented as this like you know butting of heads type of thing. If you frame it as we love you, man, but you don't have it. Let's let let you clear your head for a couple games, and then we'll get you back in there. That could that could work. Number two, and this is also very important, and you kind of spoke to it a few minutes ago, and literally a few seconds ago, is that he was scratched that year when the team was still really in the playoff yeah. race, and the, and the implication was that you are not one of our six best defensemen. This is happening in a year that's most likely over, and it's more like, this is less saying, hey, we think you're actually worse than Robert Hagen and Andrew McDonald. It's more like, hey, we think you're better than those guys, but we want to get you to the point where you're obviously better than those guys, rather than you kind of looking like them. So let's try to, it's more, let's try to fix this problem, rather than like, hey, let's punish you because yeah. The best chance, what gives us the best chance of winning is you not being in the line. Like, I would still take this version of Shane Goss's bear over Hagen McDonald. Yes. Oh, God, yes. All yeah. day. <laughs> no, and that's the, like, when I say he's not having, like, he's still at uh, .46 points a game, which is, you know, well below his career average and well below what, what we expect after being on close to a 70-point pace last year. But it's still pretty good. Uh, if he was, as Charlie puts here, big problem really has been his work on the power play. Mm-hmm. If he was doing all the stuff he's doing in the defensive zone and maybe not 
like taking a step back. Because last year we really commended his work in the defensive zone and how he'd improved. If he takes a step back in the defensive zone at even strength, but is putting up the huge power play numbers still, we're not talking about this. Nope. We're thinking, okay, yeah, maybe he is just a second-pair guy or something, but at that price tag that he's getting paid like a second-pair yeah, guy. Yeah, that's but something he needs to be accountable totally for. He has fine. a great contract. He just has this pattern, though. Like, sensational rookie season. We remember it. It was so much fun. It's the most fun I've had as a Flyers fan since the since the Cup run. Um, sophomore slump we attributed uh, mostly to bad luck, and then after the fact we learned about the core muscle injury, mm-hmm. so we go, okay, that makes sense. Looking at his numbers, still pretty good, considering he played three-quarters of the year. Like, hurt. We learned a lot about core muscles between Giroux, him, and Nolan Patrick. Yep. It makes sense. Uh, he still had, like, a plus 3.4 relative uh, Corsi percentage. Uh, his... PDO uh, under 96 and a half, ridiculously low 3.5 shooting percentage. That was what we all pointed. Like, all right, he's not going to shoot at 3.5. No. And it was even worse, the fact the team just wasn't scoring yeah, when the he was team, on the yeah. ice. Huge ba- bounce back third season. We saw it. 65 points. That first pair, once they got him and Provorov together, they were, I mean, other than uh, Hamilton and Giordano, like they were producing points, possession, whatever, like a top, like the top pair in the league. So just to stop you for a second, this is the thing that's confusing me so much about these these people who, who think that we should trade him. I've heard a lot of arguments that this isn't his first down season. He had a down season last year, too. <laughs> or, he, or we're supposed to account for the injured season as another down season, and that the good seasons are the aberration. And that just seems ridiculous to me. Yeah, I just... He was so good last season. Yeah, and he's just been a good hockey player his whole life. Yeah. Without, like, I don't know. Like, and especially the idea of trading him now. Like, you're selling low... In his worst a, year. You're selling low on a defenseman who finished 10th in Norris voting. That seems foolish to me. I don't know. Bit. Seems foolish. And then, the, of course, this season has not been good. Possession numbers are decent, but his shooting percentage back down to 3.8. PDO at 97. Uh, previous three seasons, he scored at 0.72, 0. 0.51, 0.8. Three points a game. He's under half a point a game for the first time in his career. Uh, Last night, I did see some encouraging signs, though. You talk about that confidence. You talk about his work on the power play. Sometimes that dude just needs to get pucks through. I love the ghost bombs. Love them. When he picks that corner, you pop the water bottle. Everyone goes nuts. They put the emojis around the rim of the stadium. (laughs) Everyone loves it. But, man, we're paying JVR. We're paying Wayne Simmons. We're paying Nolan Patrick. These guys, we're paying Sean Couturier. These guys get goals by banging down low. Like, that's what they do. Just get it to the front, and that's what he did last night. And he started out real bad last night, but made some plays at the end that helped them win that game. And I hope, if it is a confidence issue, if that's what we're going to attribute this to, I hope that gets him going for the rest of the year because I don't want to have this trade Shane Goss' bear conversation anymore. It's, it's destroying my soul. To be I've said fun. this whole time. Yeah. I'm not rejecting any trade out of hand. Like, yeah, unless I'm getting goddamn Connor McDavid, I'm not trading Carter Hart. No. Right. But, like, <laughs> I, I'm not rejecting any trade right away, but you're losing a Shane Goss' bear. And trade. that's the thing. Like, Especially now. Yeah, we could, for funsies, put together all kinds of packages that we would like to get back yeah. for Shane Goss' bear, but you're never going to get his value. Oh, Facebook just died. Mm. It's it's a tough it's a tough thing. It really yeah. is tough with regards to the idea of getting back anywhere near fair value for Goss's bear. The funny thing is, so I have an article coming out um, tomorrow on the Athletic, and it's basically breaking down ghost season. And it's really, to be honest, this season I don't think has been as bad as it seems right now because this has been not only is 
he not scoring that much. It's also that he's making the big mistakes. But to be totally honest, before this stretch, and I said this a couple times, I don't think he was playing that bad defensively before this these last few games. I thought he was pretty much fine defensively. It was just the offense was gone. And that was the weird thing. You're like, why is Shane Gosper not doing any of the stuff with the puck? And it wasn't really bleeding over into his defensive zone play. It's not that his defensive zone play was great, but it's never going to be great. It's never going it was to be it was fine. It was fine until these last few games, and now he's making these these major blunders. And maybe it's just that the frustration of the not scoring is bleeding over. It's finally starting to bleed over and everything else. And I'll tell you why the narrative is: yes, he's played particularly poorly in these last few games. Defense, just noticeably, he's made mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Provorov turned it around coming out of the All-Star break. He looked better. Yeah. And you didn't just go. Yeah, that's fair. You weren't able to just go, oh, Provorov and Ghost have both sucked this year. So that just is what it is. Now, and Pro- Provorov wasn't particularly great last night, I didn't think. But he's been much better since the All-Star break. And Ghost has looked, by comparison, even worse. Yeah, that's and fair. And I think that has started the narrative or at least pushed it to the forefront. Whoa, we got to trade Ghost. Give up on him. Like, oh, man, we didn't learn anything from the no. Clark years, did we? Also, I think that there's people who for some reason set their expectation for him at that rookie season and anything below that is now going to be a failure the funny thing is he was better last was season better than his rookie last year. year yeah, yeah and but, he wasn't with mcdonald last year so and, <laughs> i mean like the scoring and the yeah. all that kind of, like the excitement that they got from him yeah. that first season if they're not feeling that somehow he's letting them down i think a lot of it boils down as well and this is something i touch on in the article that there's a, there's a loud contingent of people who fly, who follow the Flyers. Really, there's a loud contingent of people like this just in hockey. But there's just a loud contingent of people that deep down, and they don't they don't come out when Ghost and guys like Ghost are playing well. But when they're not playing well, there's a large contingent that just doesn't like offensive yep. defensemen. They yes. do, they they don't trust them. They don't like them. They think every defenseman either has to be a stay at home shot blocking physical guy, or they need to be a guy who can do everything like a pro off like a Dowdy, like a Victor Hedman, and those guys are awesome, especially the last two. They're really, really good hockey players, but there's a place for offensive defensemen as well, and I think there's a lot of people who just automatically don't think those guys are that good because they turn the puck over too much, and they can't hit, and they're soft, and all that other crap, and then when those guys start struggling, it's not, oh, they're just having a bad year like Provorov is. It's, no, they're just bad at hockey because I never thought he was good in the first place. And that's like, it's just a to me, it's a vast misunderstanding of what defense is in this league yes. now. Like I say all the time, uh, like Darian Hatcher. When the Flyers got Darian Hatcher, like I was excited because that's like the type of player I wanted to model myself after. I really enjoyed that kind of guy. It just so happens that the things that he was allowed to do before the lockout, you're not allowed to nope. do anymore. Like most defense is elite, and the way they've cracked down on stick penalties and stuff, most defense is illegal. Right now, I want my defenseman to do two things. Go get to the loose puck and then do something with it once you get there. That's it. The breakout to me is the most important thing in hockey. If you can't break out, you're going to give up goals on every shift. I, I just I, and that's what that's his specialty. That's it. Are there guys who can defend the front of the net better than him? Sure. Yeah. None of them are on the Flyers. No. I, who, <laughs> well, <laughs> who are these guys that are defending the front of this net because guys are left alone? Fucking You're not wrong. Uh, Sidney Crosby could have smoked a joint and scored that goddamn goal the other night in so much time. Okay, well that wasn't that wasn't a that wasn't really a structural problem. If any, if honestly if, if anybody vacated that spot it was Couturier. And 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 Couturier basically after the game was like 
well, how was I supposed to know that it was going to take this weird bounce I've off actually, the glass? I didn't see <laughs> I haven't been able to like see an angle where it hits the glass or hits the net, but I have people, t- and they're Flyers fans, so they're going to say it hit the netting, but Oh, did it hit the that netting? hit the netting? Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's I just, don't know. Because you lose, everyone lost it, except for, of except course, for and the it's best Crosby. player. <laughs> like, Crosby's good enough. He doesn't need those bounces. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, right? That's the thing about you. him. He always gets bounces. It's <laughs> annoying. Like, that's really, you're standing yeah. there and it came to you. Oh, my God. But, all right. Uh, speaking of defensemen and who should or shouldn't be in the lineup, when's Phil get in? Oh, my God. Gimme. I just want to see. I just want to see what he is. Like, I just need to see it. Just do it. If he's not in this weekend, I'm going to lose my mind. So it was notable. It was notable when they made the call up the day of um, that Saturday. We got access to Fletcher. And Fletcher basically said something to the extent of, it's going to be really helpful for Phil Myers to get practice time in the NHL. And we want to set him up for next training camp when he's going to get his real chance at making this team. And that was interesting because it wasn't really a guarantee of playing time. And then someone at the very end of the press conference with Gordon asked Gordon, so... Do you think that Myers is going to play in this next little stretch of games? And Gordon basically said something to the extent of, well, I haven't made any final decisions, but at this point, no. And oh. and hmm. neither of them really were acting like it was inevitable that Phil Myers was going to get in the games. So they really might just see some value in him being up with the team. I do think he's going to play at some point. And I think there's a good chance because they practice in full on Thursday and Friday. They have the back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. I think there's a good chance he gets into at least one of those games. But it, it, can't, it, it can't be yeah, right? ignored that both of the guys making the decisions seem to see some value okay. in him just kind of being up here. I thought, because I didn't read all the way through what you wrote here, but I did just think last night when people were asking me, why the hell haven't we seen Phil? And I'm like, looking at the schedule, like he, at what point would they determine who his best D partner is and stuff like that? Like now they have the three days off. I thought, okay, going into the weekend, then you figure some things out, who's, who can come out. I would love to see them use Phil this weekend. Yeah, it makes sense. To, you have back-to-backs with freaking Detroit. You had three days him, off yeah. to figure out out the D pairs. Uh, now that you tell me he might not draw in, this changes my subject matter, but let's pretend he does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's pretend that section never happened. How would you How would you structure this thing? Who are your six? How would you have it paired? What would you do? So for me, I would put Gudis back with Ghost, because I actually like that pair. And the main reason why I was iffy on using it is because Ghost likes to shoot and Gudis likes, likes to, to shoot. shoot. Yeah. But to be totally honest with you, the way Ghost is playing, I almost don't care. Like, let's just put him with a good defenseman, and if Ghost doesn't shoot, well, they're barely getting through anyway, so who gives a oh, shit? He passed, like, three times to McDonald last night. Oh, I was like, boy. that's how you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so then you have, you obviously keep the Priver off Sandheim pair together. You have Ghost, Gudis, and then, honestly... Who you pull out of the lineup between Amac and Haig, I really don't yeah, care. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, I, yeah. I actually think McDonald has been playing better than Haig, but I, I have more invested in Haig, so I wouldn't have a problem with Haig staying in over McDonald. But really, in my mind, if, you, if you're dressing the, the, the sixth best defenseman right now, probably would be Amac Haig third pair. But I again, I, I have more invested in Robert Haig, so I'm totally fine. Absolutely, totally fine. And McDonald would take the seat yeah. for, for Phil Myers. Kelly. Oh, yeah. So I would also keep Provy Sandheim together because it's good. I would kind of like to see Ghost and Phil play together. Like that, I, that would be interesting, especially if they use them as a third pair. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess that would be fine. I had them as my second just because I want Phil Myers to succeed in all of his things. Um, and then I had Hag Gudis. 
hate Gouda's. It doesn't, it doesn't really just matter. Stand I, hate, I, I hate that pair. Like, I hate and it so much. I'm where Charlie is. because I is, kind of just like threw the last No, game. I mean, well, yeah. the, the coaching staff <laughs> seems to like it. They're keeping it together. Yeah, the, yeah. They, this coaching staff wasn't here for the playoffs last year, so they don't know about that fucking disaster <laughs> that was Hey Gouda's. And Gouda's obviously bounced He's back playing better, immensely. Yeah. Compared to but what you just he was. can't have two guys together who neither no. of them can move the puck. Yeah, yeah. and it that doesn't usually work. I'm where you are, Charlie. Obviously, Provorov, Sandheim, just because I want, even if Sandheim isn't really a first pair defenseman, and the more I watch he him, he might be. I think he uh, is. Just give him all the ice time and see what happens. Um, Gudis, Gostas Bear just seems like a good duo. That seems like a couple of guys who fit well together. Yeah. The shooting thing is a thing, but hey, inflate those Corsi numbers. <laughs> hey, uh, and the third pair, I'm where you are, man. Like, listen, yes, I would love Andrew McDonald to come out of the lineup because I have a personal vendetta against Andrew <laughs> McDonald. But. Him or Haig, what the hell's the difference? Although it really, does... what's the difference? Haig throws the body a little bit, but it, like, is that effective at all? Like, what is he? It is tradition for the rookie defenseman to get saddled and with that's Andrew McDonald. Very true. Thinking, <laughs> thinking as a coach, if very I'm true. bringing in Phil Myers, the you know risky, mistake-prone Phil Myers, high upside, obviously, but how do we view him? Um, you put him with. The rookie hates Dad, you. You, yeah. give him, you give him the anchor. Yeah. Uh, the literal I mean, anchor. <laughs> as, as I've said, like all of the defensemen, the young defensemen just got to come up to Phil and be like, dude, we had to do it. Yeah, you we, had, do we, it, buddy. we all had to do it. We yep. all had our time with AMAC. It's your turn. Yep. You'll get through it. It'll be fine. Oh, no, there was, Dragging uh, him around will I make went, you stronger. I went I went to St. Augustine uh, my freshman year of, uh, of high school. Uh, I didn't last long. Um, <laughs> but that was uh, the first like the first day you get assigned a big brother and like the big brother kind of gets to determine how bad it is. Like <laughs> you can carry his books and wear a stupid hat or you can just be like, go to class, man. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but like it, it's a thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I see that as this. Like, yeah, we all have to do it. It's you know, <laughs> you just got to carry Amax books around for a couple of days. A little bit. It's how it works. So I want to I want to throw this out there, this conspiracy theory, because this I like when Charlie has like all out of the box stuff. This is something that I've been kind of rolling around in my head ever since the Fletcher Gordon thing about. Well, we want Phil Myers to get some practice time and just be around the club. So here's my conspiracy theory. Is Fletcher letting Myers practice with the team because he knows he's trading one of the six defensemen currently on the team, and he wants Myers to be fully comfortable for after that happens so he can jump into the lineup? I am extremely here for that kind of spiciness. I think it is as possible as any other explanation. Uh, like I don't, I don't know Chuck Fletcher, so I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's absolutely yeah. crossed my mind. That post trade deadline, things like that. Oh yeah, well Myers has been here this whole time, and it's not like we're calling up some rookie. He has, he's got chemistry with some of these guys. He's gotten to know everybody, and he's not like got the first day jitters because it's not the first day, even if it is his first game. It's uh, totally going to be Gudis, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I mean, again, that, that, it's probably the most likely. I mean, I know everybody's only, oh, trade trade Shane Gossesbear, but I mean, Gudis is yeah. probably the guy who's no one the with half a brain is trade. saying trade Shane Gossesbear. <laughs> again, I'm not rejecting it out of hand. I'm just saying, especially now, it's a bad idea. I regret uh, to inform you that if you think we should trade him, yeah, you I are don't an idiot. think they should. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not, like I don't think they should. I get what you're. If saying. If you can get a good offer, then yeah. I'm not opposed to it. But yeah. I just don't I, think you're going to get a good offer. Get a good offer. Yeah. Real fast thoughts on Justin Bailey. He seemed like he could skate yeah, last night. Fine. He definitely looks like he owns equipment and can play. Yeah, that Danny Briere Justin Bailey story gave me a lot of feels <laughs> in my heart. Well, what we were nice. we were talking in Slack yesterday about he's he looks like a like a less friendly Belmar. Yeah, he does actually <laughs> a little bit. 
I liked him. I mean, a less we, friendly Belmar. I liked that. We all thought he scored a goal, and that was fun for about five minutes. Yeah, it really never looked like he got a piece no. of that. But, <laughs> but, I but he, that. he helped create the goal. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's his screen that hey, made it possible. If he is, uh, if he ends up being even a thirteenth forward, that's a hell of that's a trade because mm-hmm. it's more than you're ever getting out of Taylor Lear, uh, Elliot or Neuvert update. People have been asking me for them in post games, so I'm going to throw them to the guy who covers the team. Elliot is now officially with the uh, with the Phantoms. He's on a conditioning stint, um, and it's going to be a short conditioning stint because they don't have the roster space to give him a full one so it's like a six day or three game conditioning stint my guess is that when that's done they're going to wave McKenna and bring Elliot up as for Neuvert as I I put it in here to paraphrase the band refuse Michael Neuvert is fucking dead um (laughs) and great he he actually is skating occasionally but I just don't see any way possible he's skating with his kids that he actually (laughs) plays another game for the Philadelphia it just doesn't make any sense all right and this last point this is the one I want to get to it's why I rushed to the other two uh this was straight out of Charlie's 10 things from last night's game. JVR, Giroux, Konechny. Yeah, could we not? Line isn't working. No, it's not. I am over this. Yes. Uh, I get it. I get why they did it. It, They didn't have another effective center, and Giroux has been an effective center in the NHL before, and he still might be with other line mates. This isn't the line, though. No. The problem is, is it's just sort of, if you want to keep Giroux at center, I don't know what other you want to keep Drew and you also want to keep the Voracek, Couturier, Lindblom line together, which has been very good. Yeah. If you want to keep that together, I don't know what's better than this because I don't know if Simmons deserves to be up there and mm-hmm. Lawton really isn't. I don't really like him as a second liner. Yeah. So what are you going to bring Raffle up? It's just, it's tough. The only way I feel like you can resolve this is if you try Drew back at wing and give Patrick the promotion. Yes, that's the only that's the only thing. That's what I would like to see because first of all, I want Drew back at wing. It was more fun for everybody. Yeah. And secondly, I think Patrick's been playing well enough that you can give him a little bump and see what That's, happens. There's a there's a fine line of mm-hmm. walking, hey, Patrick's looking good in this role. Let's promote him or, or yeah. let's continue building his confidence yeah. and he's playing this role. I, I don't know what the answer is, it but was, I know that this line isn't the answer. But they're yeah. in a tough spot because Couturier needs to be out against one C's. That's his value. If he's not doing that, yeah, he's scoring and that's all great. But you're not getting full value out of him if he's not doing that. So you need him out there with guys who can check. I'm not saying Voracek can, he's a checking forward or anything. But he's got experience against other first lines. He's not a bum out there. And Limblom maybe not a first liner, but did you just say something check. nice about Jake Voracek? I say it nice happened. things about Jake Voracek all the time. <laughs> I know. I'm and just messing Limblom, with Limblom, not a first liner, can check, so you can put him out there, and the line works together. They can cycle. They all complement each other. I just don't know. This line isn't working. I don't know what the ex- what the what the answer really is, though. Yeah, it's it's tough. And the thing with Patrick, the reason why I've, I've even considered this option is because if you notice in the first half of that Penguins game, they were using Patrick against, um, I believe it was Malkin. They were regularly matching him up. And then granted, Malkin was coming off injury. But I asked, I asked Gordon about that after the game, and he was like, yeah, I trust Nolan Patrick against any of their top forwards. I, he's been playing great. I have f- full confidence. If, it's like, okay, well, if you have full confidence in him to put him against Evgeny Malkin, maybe he's ready for another shot at 2C. Like, that, the only thing, then, is what, like, at on your third line, are you really looking at Lawton centering Simmons and JVR? That's the issue. That's the yeah. issue. Yeah. All right, guys, that is all. Oh, what, Kelly? Oh, the, yes, the yeah. charity thing. I don't know any of the details. So I'm gonna, I'll say things. Please do. Okay, so here's the thing. There's an, an <laughs> alumni game on the 22nd. That's what it is. At the Class 23 rink at Penn. We are partnering. The, the point of this alumni game is to raise money for the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation because they're renovating that rink for use for these kids that play for the, for the Snyder Youth Hockey like Foundation. It. Yeah. So they're trying to raise money. 
to renovate this rink. We are partnering with them to do some fun stuff. Really, it's not about us doing content. It's about the charity. So if you feel that the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation is a worthwhile charity and you can spare 5 or $10, head over to our Patreon page that we used to use for all of our stuff. We've reopened it just for this charity drive. Every single cent that we get is going to go directly to the Snyder Hockey Foundation. It's a really good cause. It's not a lot of money. As a bonus, you get us being goofy at a hockey game, so that'll be fun. But check it out. I think it's worth it. And that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Subscribe to the podcast feed. Uh, Do that thing Kelly just said. That's it. Have a great week, everybody.